my name is Tom Wallace, and I'm one of the partners here at Florida Funders, and welcome to Florida Funders Podcast. Our podcast is all about learning. One of the great things about being in this space is whether you're a founder or you're an investor, there's always something new to learn, something's changing, and I'm really excited about our, our, our guest who I'll be introducing here in a second. For those of you who may be new to us, our former podcast guests have included Alexis Ohanian, the founder of Reddit. Brian Neese, the former NFL player who played for the Bucks here locally, turned venture capitalist. Jeff Finnick, who owns our hockey team, is an, and has become quite an avid investor in technology. Steve Raymond, the founder of Tech Data, very well known company here that uh, Steve grew that company to like thirty five billion. And Arnie Bellini, the founder of ConnectWise, who had a recent exit uh, north of a billion dollars. So. Very excited about having Brian Murphy with us. Brian's with ReliQuest, a really hot company here in town, and you can learn more about that in a second. But for those of you who are new to Florida Funders, we're a combination between a crowdfunding platform of accredited investors and venture capital funds, or now funds, we're on our second fund. And we like to say we're on a mission to change Florida from sunshine state to startup state. So we're all about finding funding and helping build the next generation of great tech companies here in this wonder, our wonderful state. So, Brian, welcome. Thanks for having me, Tom. Good thanks, to be with you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Good to be with you. We're soon to be neighbors, by the way. <laughs> Brian is building a house about three three houses, three doors away from me on my street, and we were just talking about that. But uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, uh, Brian Murphy. I'm the CEO and founder of ReliQuest. I started the company. We're a cybersecurity company serving uh, enterprises globally, and we act as the force multiplier for security operations. The goal for ReliQuest is to make security possible. A lot of data. It's in a lot of different places. We need to extend the ability to detect and respond across that data wherever it sits. And so Founded the company in 2007, bootstrapped it for nine years, raised capital in 2016, raised capital again last year in 2020, about 700 plus team members globally, adding about 60 to 70 a month uh, wow. at our current rate and uh, growing great. like a weed. So yeah. big problem, yeah, it needs big team. Well, let's go back to that. So how did you, you know, what did you do before you started ReliQuest and what was the big problem you saw? How did, yeah. how did ReliQuest come about? So it's oddly enough, I graduated from Florida State, had degrees in accounting and finance and a minor in management information systems and went to work for PwC at the time. Management Consulting Services was headquartered here uh, out of Tampa. Went to work for the firm, found my way, working with a couple of former senior managers out of PwC, doing a lot of Sarbanes-Oxley work and a lot of compliance testing. And I uh, was 30 years old and uh, opened up ReliQuest at, at 30 with a little better than a napkin full of some ideas and business plans to really kind of extend that approach around compliance, extend it over onto the IT side of the house and away from the finance and the control side and started up in 2007. And uh, really, you know, so you start in 2007 and then 2008, the world goes, the to world hell ends. And, yeah. yeah <laughs> the world right. goes to hell yeah. in a handbasket. Yeah. What'd you do then? Like, how'd you handle that? Got lucky. Uh, you know, luck is undefeated. So we had, $250,000 of AR outstanding. Bear Stearns fell on September 15th. And I started getting phone calls from all of our large customers. We had eight at the time. And that 250 went down to about 15,000 because they were all progress billing projects. We had a small little contract supporting the DOD that we weren't paying attention to. We were a sub to a sub to a sub. And we just 
turned the guns on that and, and learned everything we could about network infrastructure and satellite communication. And that, that kind of saved us and allowed us to really took us into cybersecurity because so much of that contract work was assurance, making sure that anything that changed on those systems was tested. So you, when you started the company, you really didn't start it as a cybersecurity company. Not at all. Yeah, uh-huh. not at all. So, so you pivoted. We did. Yeah, we pivoted. Yeah, we pivoted twice Popular in term. our history. Right, yeah. Pivot is, uh, you know, that's the that's the nice word to call it from. This doesn't work. Oh, we better figure something else out, right? Yeah. <laughs> you pivoted in 2008 or so with the DOD contract. And, yep. and when did that really start taking off? And when did you realize that, hey, this is, this is really the new business? You know, we had no choice. That became the business. It took us about eight or nine months into 2009, beginning part of 2010, to realize we were really good at it. Took us another year to realize that it takes a huge infrastructure to go out and win those federal contracts. So we took what we knew and information assurance, they had then started to call it cyber. And we started looking at the commercial markets. I wasn't former military. None of us were. We were Google searching our way into understanding this. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people at McDill and others helped us along the way learn. And we just decided we were better in the commercial space. So around 2011 into 2012, we moved the whole focus of the business, doing a ton of break fix work and large installations for large corporations going in. They'd they'd have a SIM technology, huge network infrastructure, then different tools that we don't even use today. And we'd go in and try to stitch them all together to improve their visibility across their technology. And so we patented our first technology and 2013, 2014, switched to recurring revenue at the end of 14 and went from zero to 100 million in sales in five years from there. So, wow. Well, all of our investors and certainly us here at Florida Funders, we, we love reoccurring revenue. Yes. Much, yeah. much better than yeah. eat what you kill and that. So does your bank, right? I yeah, deliver right. it. So, <laughs> How did you make the switch to reoccurring revenue? What was that? You know, did you move more into software? And, and we did. Once on. we patented that technology, we just like any good entrepreneur, we looked at, you talk about the problem that we solved. The problem was visibility. Corporations were trying to solve it by either outsourcing or growing their own tech stack. And usually they were doing both at the large enterprise. And we found that there was a gap between those two. And we just started building small little pieces of technology that would close that gap. And Uh so we would go and offer them an ongoing service to deliver that gap. And that's really where it started. We do the same thing today that we did back in 12, 13, 14 that led to the recurring. The difference is your data moved to different places. So our technology, our gray matter platform has had to evolve. It's evolved. It's 52 different patented technologies today that make up the one platform just because of the rise of things like cloud and other. So, And your platform was called Gray Matter? Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> who came up with that? Is there a story there? So it is a funny story. Um, <laughs> you know, I need to do some revisionist history and come up with better stories. But our one of our early customers of ReliQuest, our client contact there, always wanted to get together once a month. And I'd go buy him a couple of beers and we'd go over how the projects were going. And he would always make the joke, Hey, you have to excuse me. I'm a little light on gray matter. You know, I have to still have to talk slower. I'm a little light on gray matter, and that, that's where it came from. So oh, good, good. I like it. So, how big is your software development team? Like, we, so you were were you writing software 
getting the input from customers and then running software to solve their problems. Is that how we Yeah. So what we started to do was we would do a direct point-to-point connection into the customer's environment. And so the power of what we do is we take the infrastructure they already own and then we make it work better. So Gray Matter allows them to see across those different technologies. So we started writing software to just make their tech work better. And we found that we could drop that same piece of tech and, and use it through that point-to-point connection and in a one-to-many model. And so we started off with two or three people that could write code. Our CTO was writing most of it nights and weekends. Uh-huh. You know, today, fast forward, we've got you know a software team or our product team of probably 125 and growing. It's one of the fastest areas of our of our business now. So yeah, so I gotta ask you about that. You know, a lot of people, you know, look at a lot of founders look at Florida and think, well, maybe I'll have trouble attracting engineering talent here or software developers. Or what has been your experience there? Obviously, you've done it. We have, yeah. It's a two-pronged approach. For us, it was not only software engineering talent, but cybersecurity talent. And so, you know, I have a belief system in cybersecurity that there is there are a shortage or is a shortage out there of trained and skilled cybersecurity talent, but there's no shortage of people that would like to be trained and skilled in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. So I've always believed about 3% of our revenue goes back into ReliQuest University. I've always believed you've got to develop what you hire. On the software engineering... Now, what's ReliQuest University? Tell, tell our listeners. So ReliQuest University is the training arm of RQ. So uh, RQU, it's funded by the revenues of the company. It's 3% of our total revenue back in. And that's where we we build cyber leaders of the future. What's our leadership academy, our software technology schools. That's awesome. It's, it's we you know we did a, a joint grant with the University of South yeah, Florida. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. so we gave a million dollars over five years and help build the training and giving them access to our gray matter technology. So we fund the ReliQuest at USF Cybersecurity Lab. So if you are interested in cyber, you now have a way to connect the theory that you're learning about in college to really hands-on work inside a network. Mm-hmm. And so for us. Um, it's a pipeline of talent for sure yeah, that we've hired, I bet, I bet you um, hire but as part we do, um, <coughs> and I think we've graduated probably more than 300 people at this point, and we've hired a good number of them. But it's definitely a lot of people going on working other companies here in the area, so it's benefiting everybody, and it makes us better. You, if you can teach it, you're pretty good at it. So it yeah. helps it helps sharpen the skills of our teams. Well, it seems like you know, first of all, you can't do anything in this world today without hearing about cybersecurity and you know, between the pipeline issue that happened recently and this company getting hacked, yeah. that company getting hacked. Florida and Tampa in particular, we've really gotten not just ReliQuest, but we've got an OB4 here. We've got Alliance, Scott's yeah, company. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, we're kind of getting known for cybersecurity here in Tampa. What do you, what do you attribute that to? Well, I think you've got cybersecurity so broad, right? So you've got no before, which is that training, user education, align on the compliance side, ReliQuest on the operation side. So the benefit of an area like cybersecurity is there's, it's the, I believe, one of the largest technical challenges of our generation. So that drives a lot of people like Scott, like Stu, like others to think to how we're going to solve it. There's also every company around us is in, interested in figuring out how to solve their problems. So you have a, a built-in customer base, right? So mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. Obviously, McDill being here helps a lot of the a lot of our early hiring came out of the military. Oh, really? uh, they knew the infrastructure, oh, they knew network. And so Florida's got a proud history of that community here. And um, so you know, I think you're going to see elements of anywhere where cyber is growing, but we definitely do have a good foothold here. And there's a 
There's a bunch of other companies coming up in the early stages that are trying to tackle the problem as well. It's a big enough problem. We need all the help we can get. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I got to ask you about COVID. So, you know, COVID affected a lot of different technology companies differently. Arguably, it helped a lot of tech companies. How did COVID affect the ReliQuest and what you guys are doing? Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, um, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be going into March of uh, 2020. Uh, No, we did well. We performed extremely well. Outside attacks were up some 500 percent. You know, our customers are typically at the enterprise level, large, large organizations. So we saw an increase in attack, a lot of attention on cybersecurity for sure. As an operator, as a CEO, it it posed some challenges for us as a company that is growing like crazy, that had all these in-person onboardings. How do we turn on a dime? and go right to be 100% remote? And how do you keep the culture and the tone and, sure. and the swagger of the company? So I think it, it benefited are us you guys from back a business now? person. Are you we back are. In the yeah, we're back in offices in the US. We're not in offices in Dublin, uh, Amsterdam, or London. So we're waiting uh, for those areas. But in US operations, we're back. And people have accepted that and they're coming back. And- they have. Like, we definitely had a little bit of turnover at the end of the year last year when we came back in of people that decided. I like being 100% remote. I was clear the entire time. We are not a 100% remote company. We've always been a hybrid company. People will be in two, three days a week. And a lot of our, some of our teams are 100% remote if they're sales and others. But, you know, to double the size of our company, we essentially hire 10 to 15% of the size of our company every month. And so to do that, we got to be together at some point. So if you don't have interest in that kind of collaboration, that's okay. We're just not at high growth tech company. We're not um, the right environment for you. So we did have some turnover there, but I'll tell you, we have not had a hard time hiring with telling people that you're going to have this optionality of your two days a week at home. I think that's really what people want. I think they want both is what we've seen. Mm-hmm. And is most of your hiring taking place locally or are you hiring? It's everywhere. So our headquarters in the West is Salt Lake City. So we're seeing tremendous oh. growth there. Uh, we've got uh, we've got about 60 people there now. That'll go to 200 over the next six months. We've got about 100 people in Las Vegas. Dublin's got about 100 people. So we're pretty well distributed. The bulk of the hiring as a percentage does always grow most here in Tampa. This is This is our headquarters. But you know, our reach, we have a small Silicon Valley office uh, as well for certain skill sets that we just can't find. It's easier, easier hunting there than, than other places. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've raised some money. Yeah. You bootstrapped it for nine years. I did, and then you yeah. finally took in smart side capital and then did it again. Tell us about that. You know, I think for me, bootstrapping, I didn't know what I didn't know. And we had our first investment from FTV Capital. It was really great to get their leadership around us. It was good to have that the capital's great, right? But at the point, we didn't really need the cash when we raised capital. It was about the the help and the support and the network that FT was, FTV was going to bring. Mm-hmm. And, and so that worked well. And KKR was much of the same. It was less about the cash. That was your second round. Of yeah. Fun. And so FTV, we did a $30 million raise in 2016. And that was really before you heard a lot about the raises at that size. Yeah. That was a good size. Yeah, absolutely. And then we did $300 million, uh last uh, summer with KKR. And being a part of that KKR on the growth side of KKR has been unbelievable. Really? The doors they can open. And the, it's been the, the help, the capital, again, anybody can write a check. But the network and the reach and the support that they have brought has been unbelievable. 
And since you've taken on this 300 million in capital from KKR, are you being acquisitive or are you still just growing organically? So we're definitely out there looking for opportunity from an acquisition perspective. You know, really two things I look for. Geography, is this going to get us into a different country, a different region, you know, someplace that makes sense for us? And then tech, like, is it something that complements what we're doing? Mm -hmm. You know, buy or build, right? comes down to that conversation. So we definitely are. It helps to be in that KKR ecosystem. Uh, They get calls all the time. And so we can lend that infrastructure and we don't have to have that development function internally. We can leverage theirs. So it's been good. Well, I always like to ask this question. So, you know, we have a lot of founders out there that are listening to this. You've learned a lot of lessons, and I'm sure along the way, if you were to pass on one or two things to founders that you would recommend to them or things that you learned, what would it be? I think for me, it's always been do the simple things well. You know, it's my, uh, he just passed last week, but Trevor Moad was along as a friend and a coach and a mentor, um, a performance coach, a sports psychologist. And uh, he would always say, you got to, you got to do the simple thing savagely well. And then for me, focus, you know, as a founder, what are you here to do? Like you have to work with intent every day. Um, You've got to move that ball forward every day. So that's really that discipline of focus has been very helpful. And then keeping the business focused, you know, I think at all stages, my job as the founder is, you know, the mindset of the company, how we think, how we make decisions and the pace, how fast we go. So I'd say those two things. Yeah, it was good. I've always been a big believer that one of the biggest problems that entrepreneurs have is focus because they tend to be very idea creative people, next shiny object and keeping the team focused. I know when we're when founders are pitching us, we like to hear that they're they're going to do this. Yeah, and a lot of times they do this, and they they, they kind of got us sold on their big. And then oh, we got this over here, and we're doing this, and we're a Tata company, and it's like no, no, sit <laughs> quite wide your head. So. It's tough, right? I mean, yeah. it's the hardest thing to just keep keep dialed in. But it's that old typewriter reel. We got to keep pulling that cartridge back over to the left. So yeah, I think Michael Dell said it pretty well. He said that you have to know you have to know what business you're not in. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. I know you're very involved in the local ecosystem yeah. here in Florida. You're, you're the chairman of Embark Collective. How do you find time to do that? But I think it's awesome. It's great. One, I'm a big fan of Embark and big fan of, I love the mission of Florida funders for the state of Florida. I was born and raised here in Florida. Got a little bit of that chip on my shoulder of what we're capable of doing versus what everybody else thinks we are. I love um, it. You know, but I think for me, how do I find time? Times a choice, you know. I just I don't I don't view myself as a busy person. I just make choices uh, with where I spend my time. So I do less of this group over here and more, so I can go. You know, we just spent a full day at Embark and brought our leadership team there. And any member company could ask any question they wanted from any one of my leaders. And so we're going to continue to do that and help those companies get to scale. We're so fortunate to have Lakshmi and some of the team there here in Tampa and. That's my passion. That's something I want to see happen is let it's help more people get to scale. It was too hard to do when I was coming up. And uh, now we have a scale just like you all are doing. And Florida funders are helping so many. We want to be a part of that. Well, one of the things I've seen from entrepreneurs and haven't been an entrepreneur most of my life is most entrepreneurs are wired to help other entrepreneurs. Somebody helped us along the way. We didn't, you know, we didn't get there without a lot of help. And, and I think entrepreneurs is just as a whole, we, just like to help the next generation of entrepreneurs, help other entrepreneurs. I think that's how a lot of us end up being angel investors yeah. and writing checks. 
you know, and I, and I think that's all good. And that's, yeah. and that's what we need here in Florida. It's been really exciting these last couple of years, all the, all the changes that have happened in Florida because of COVID. You could argue that we're the best positioned state coming out of COVID from a leading the next wave of technology. And I just wondered if you had any thoughts on, on, on that. And as you look at Florida and the tech scene here, how much is that you've seen that change? And it went from being a detriment when we were coming up and growing. And, you know, when FTV came in in 2016, it was, they were really on the cutting edge and they later invested in A-Line. And now it's, people are seeing it as a benefit. And so when we went through our process and our capital raise last summer, I used to be told, why are you, why are you headquartered in Tampa? Don't you need to go over to all those groups, man? You guys, you got this figured out. That was really smart to be founded there. Right. And nothing changed. That's so exciting. But, perception. That. but it, it's, it's what you do. And, and the team does it for a funder. Nice it's you. what Embark does. And, 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 you know, it's really uh, enough people telling the same story with the right goal and the right intent. So I, it is dramatically different. We still have our, you know, our, our problems to solve sure. uh, as a region and everybody does. Um, there's no perfect, but there is a better. And we've we've done a lot better over the years. Yeah, no question. What we've seen uh, here is two things. One is the exodus out of California has been going in Silicon Valley and San Francisco has been going on for some time. But typically those founders and those companies that left would always be going to Austin or yeah. Boulder or Denver, someplace like that. Now they're coming to Florida. We're, we're getting those phone calls from founders saying, hey, I want to come to Florida. And that's really exciting. And then the same thing on the capital side. Yep. You know, we're seeing, and really this is where I think Florida especially benefited from COVID. We've seen so many of these big heavyweight tech investors in California and New York who came to Florida because we were the only state that was open. And what many of them learned is, well, we already knew this is a great place. It's yeah. a great place to live. It's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to invest in companies. It's a great place to start companies. Yeah, it really is. And it's, you know, I think there's a lot of people that transplant as well, but there's also people that came and discovered it. So they may go back. They may go back to where they live, but they will always think of Florida first when they think about investing, technology, energy. So I think we've captured a biggest, bigger mind share than we can measure just by relocation. Yeah. It's, it's much bigger story out there. And these, you know, the, especially in the capital world, they've got to look in every corner, you know, every corner for opportunity and yeah. startups. And there are a lot less founders and, and entrepreneurs like yourself than there are people that want to invest in them. Right. And so sure. um, if we double down and we produce more and we can and, and encourage people to take their shot, we will continue to be on the forefront of the conversation. And I, there's there's really little you can't get access to in Florida growing a company there. here. Third largest state in the union. We've got something going right. So. We've got a thousand people moving here every day. Absolutely. Right? So. Great university systems. I think that um, you know, the, the, the best is ahead. No question. The tech talent and tech future looks very bright for us. So uh, maybe that segues into my next question. Trip. When you look out five years, 10 years, where, where do you see... Brian Murphy, and where do you see ReliQuest? Yeah, ReliQuest, I mean, obviously the natural path for us is probably look at, you know, being a publicly traded company. That's just something that we're preparing for. And um, you can't be public if you're not prepared, so prepare. And that may not be the best option for us in the future. I'll continue to live and support and grow here. My rocking chair view is to look back and, you know, count the number of people that we were able to support and help go chase their dreams. People that work at RQ today, maybe they want to go start something, other companies that we can help. So for me, I just want to be a, a force multiplier to the region. And if there's somebody I can help, I'm going to help them. And that's 
that's kind of how you know, my wife that's and I great. measure success is how can we impact? We've seen success, but now how do we how do we see true impact? And that's that's the next phase for us. Well, uh, Brian, this has been great. What a great story. Thanks, Congratulations John, yeah. to you and your team and ReliQuest. Thank you. It's awesome for Tampa Bay. It's often awesome for Florida. Continued success. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Good to be with you. And if anybody wants to get a hold of ReliQuest or get a hold of you, they can reach out to you. Yeah, shoot you me an email, hit me on LinkedIn. Um, happy to happy help in any way that we can. Yeah, we're, we're proud to be here and uh, we're the, the best is ahead for us as well. So be on the lookout. We'll be making a lot more noise here in the next few months. So. That's great. For you listeners who want to find out more about Florida Funders, you can go to our website, floridafunders.com. If you're a founder and you're interested in raising money and getting in our process, it's a quick five-minute application process on our, our website. And if you're an investor, we have all kinds of uh, resources and, and things for you to get involved in angel investing. So thank you for joining us and uh, have a great day.